Hey y'all, it's Jessica DeLindy Dykeman with The Courageous and Kind Project. We're featuring stories of women who are living out their God-given purpose through big and small moments of courage and kindness. At Courageous and Kind, we want to create a community of women who are courageous to overcome their fears and who are kind to one another and to themselves. We want to hear and share your story. Help us share God's love by sharing your courageous and kind story. After a long summer break, we're excited to be back on the Courageous and Kind podcast. We are interviewing Kristen Young today. She is from Conway, Arkansas, and is a um, wife, stay-at-home mom, blogger, and founder of the Cause Community. Um, she has just been so much fun to get to know, to get to hear her story, and share God's love, and I am thrilled about our conversation and everything that's going to come out of here. So cannot wait for you to meet Kristen as we pick up where we left off. Our um, first question for her is what season of life we're in. This has been a really interesting season for me because um, I feel a lot of dreams and desires and passions deep down in me that I know God has given me. Um, but it's almost like God is saying not yet. And so he is preparing me and training me. And he's also reminding me that all of life is not shiny and that, um, I must learn to be content in the things that are mundane and the ordinary rhythms of every single day. And so there are some things that I believe God has put in me that I think that he will, that will come to fruition later down the road. Like I love to speak. I love to write. I love to encourage other women. I love to uh, pour out to other people and um, especially the college age. Um, And so we'll host Bible studies here some semesters and last semester we took that semester off. But um, I, I think this season right now is just God saying, hang on, Kristen, like you are a mom right now and that is already a really big job. And so it's just learning to do that really well, you know, wake up and do the laundry well and with excellence and be diligent in it and do the dishes. And, and I know that sounds silly to say, but my personality and how I'm wired is I'm always on to the next thing. And maybe that's just humankind, but I'm always on to the next thing. I'm always wanting to do the, the next shiny um, adventure. And so I don't develop a lot of discipline or diligence in the small things that don't get glory or don't get praise or don't get recognized. And so I think right now the season that I'm in is God just saying, we're going to unplug a little bit and we're going to get back to the basics of meeting with me every single morning. No one else sees it in the morning. No one else applauds it. It's just the grit and the grind and the discipline of getting in the word and spending time with God and just doing the things that I'm in right now with diligence. And um, and I think that later down the road, he's going to use that in other ways. I love that for so many reasons because we do live in a culture that is about production. What can we produce? What can we do? What can we achieve? And I don't think that we give, and I know in my own life too, that we give enough credit to the behind the scenes work, to the diligence, to everything it took to get to where you are. And one of the things about being in a culture that really 
celebrates overnight success and the next big trendy thing or, you know, what is going on that we forget that there is so much diligence to be had and to be done in that craft, in being able to, as you said, do things with excellence and put the work in to, to produce those results and produce that time that when we can publicly say we have met with the Lord and we know his character and we know he is faithful, well, it's because all of that time behind closed doors or that quiet time or in the mundane that he met us every day in that faithfulness. And I think there's something to be said, and maybe we need to say it even more, to be faithful in the little. And that's what I have to keep coming back to in you know a world that is saying, well, what are you doing next or what now or the next season? Like you said, what... What is asking? What is God asking us to do right now, and how is He asking us to be faithful? And I think that can speak to so many women that they look around and say, "What are we doing here? Or how? You know, how is this even kingdom work?" And just that little bit of being able to say, "Lord, I'll be faithful in the little, so that when the big comes, I'm ready." Mm, that's so good. Yes. Oh, I love that. And it, it reminds me of a quote I've heard. Um, I'm probably not going to say it right, but it's along the lines of anybody can make the big decisions, but it's the discipline of making the small decisions over and over again that make the big impact. It's like small, little decision or um, doing the small makes a big impact over time. And my mom gave me the um, illustration the other day because I was on the phone with her and I was like, I'm just having a hard time. And, you know, it's like one of those kind of meltdowns. And um, she just always gives such good perspective. And she said, just think about a cork on a string. And it in itself with one little hit doesn't do much. But if there's a steel bar and the cork is going to hit the steel bar, it hits it over and over again. The first couple of times, it's not going to do a thing, but with consistency and precision, so it continues to hit it over and over and over again, eventually the steel bar will move because of the consistency of the cork hitting it. And so I thought that was so interesting because you think about, you know, well, especially for me, it's like I want to do something one time and it be successful. Mm-hmm. Like I want to succeed one time and Life doesn't always work that way. Um, actually, most of the time it doesn't. And so it is that being disciplined in the, in the little bitty things and continuing to and learning to fail and having the hard days and realizing, you know, to get back up and keep going. And God gives grace for the next day. And eventually that steel bar is moved with consistency and that, and that discipline. And that's, that's been a really challenging lesson for me to learn. I mean, I feel like God and I have a word over that lately. I just, I feel like he has just drug me through this lesson. Like, I don't want to learn this lesson. He's like, oh, but you need to. I know that ultimately I would not be ready for what he has down the road if I wasn't learning what I'm learning right now. That is beautiful. I I mean, really. And, and that I think we forget that God prepares us for the future season in our current season. And I got to talk to a friend this week that she is just in a very season of, of wait. That is the best way to put it, is that God's simply saying, wait, not now. And as the more and more we talked about it and the desires of her hearts and similar to what we had said, 
that we had forgotten that God's using this season, that it doesn't mean not to be inactive or not to do anything, but that God's saying, hey, there's something I need to cultivate in your heart and in your life to get ready for the next. And even this week, just being on, I felt like Tuesday, Wednesday, as I was sick and my husband was sick and we had a sick dog and there was so much going on. I just, you know how you wake up one of those in the mornings and it's just a battle and the only mm. thing I needed to do was start. I, ha- I It was one of those days that I was like, I have to start my day with the Lord. And I do, and I have my quiet time. But today was particularly important to get through the battle and just the to-do list and the exhaustion of the day. And so, and I made it. And the Lord provided what I needed, the little bit, a little bit. And then the next morning, I thought to myself, well, that battle was yesterday. Well, turns out it was lingering and we had to get up and I had to get up the next morning and just meet again for the battle that I thought was already over. But it, God said, no, I need you to meet with me again today because today is a new day. And in this season for you and for, for me as well and the women listening, that God wants us to meet with him every day because he's got something in the little bit and the quiet of his faithfulness that we would miss otherwise in the in the noise and in the busyness. And I love that, that you're encouraging women just in your example and in your life to say, okay, Lord, what are you showing me now? Mm, that's good. So in this season, is there anything particular that you're working on? Um, do you have a project or other than being a mama and a wife and – everything else yeah um it's yeah so I have um I'm on Instagram and I have a blog well I'm an amateur blogger I like I'm a pretend blogger um very inconsistent with it I would love to if I had more time to do that but um so right now um currently I'm working on a new direction on my blog and Instagram um, still encouraging women, still um, challenging women to uh, grow in their faith with the Lord, but um, kind of a refocus, I guess, and a um, and, and including some contributors and different guest writers, and so that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And then I also have um, a, another Instagram page called the Cause Community, which I started just recently, maybe a few months ago, and it is. Um, a page that focuses on highlighting businesses with a mission. So it's basically a one-stop page where people can come and see certain products and businesses, what they do, what they sell. And so it allows um, Instagrammers or people to become more purposeful shoppers. So I'm kind of working on that. That's kind of been on a pause uh, a little bit too from our vacation and, um, but yeah, so th- there's a lot of things and there's a lot of things that I have written down that I would love to blog about, write about, speak about, um, kind of up in the pipeline that I think eventually will make its way to, uh, the screen uh, or paper. And so, but right now it's just, I feel like God is just telling me a step back, um, just so I can get a little bit better perspective. Um, cause I think sometimes it can be all consuming for me and, um, so, yeah, but I'm excited about things that are coming, so. That is awesome. And also as a blogger and a writer and con- 
content creator. I understand how you get really excited and you get a good idea and it's in your head. And the biggest challenge is just getting it out and figuring out you'll get little pieces here and there. And you're like, okay, Lord, what? What is this puzzle piece or what is this message and how do I deliver it? And, and so it's encouraging to me to hear that obedience of, of waiting and letting the Lord just have his way with your heart and develop and mature a message that in the future at the right time on his kingdom calendar, this woman needs to hear it. That it just lines up perfectly. And so I can't wait to see what is coming. I love the idea of the cause and um, to be able to be purposeful shoppers and to see what other people are doing. And one of the things we're working on at Courageous and Kind is to do a community spotlight that we want to hear what people are doing in, in the community and to be able to share and promote that, that servantship and goodwill. And that's really exciting. So we'll definitely check it out. Uh, for our listeners, we'll feature it uh, on our blog, and you can find out what Kristen's doing right, right now and in the future. So that'll be um, in our blog on courageousandkind.org. So that is exciting. As we talk about things that are coming and, and just seasons of life and projects, what comes to mind when you hear the words courageous and kind? So I was so excited to do this interview because I love the idea of courageous and kind. And when I was looking over this question, I just, the first thing that came to mind was Esther um, in the Bible. And Esther, she went before the king when she very well could have been killed. Um, She had courage to be bold and be brave and do an act that could have taken her life. Um, on behalf of her people, but you also read whenever she speaks to her king, she is very gracious when she speaks, and she's not domineering, and she's not, hey, let these, you know, he's, she's not taking control and being dominant and um, being rude. I mean, she's she's being gracious, and she's kind of, if it pleases you, if, if it, and so she takes the act she has courage and bravery to go and do that before the king. But then whenever she gets to the king, she's kind. Um, and she's not overruling and overpowering. And so I've just been thinking about this a lot because I think a lot of times in our culture, like I love that there's a women's movement, but I think that a lot of times with, um, with being courageous and brave comes the dominance or the, um, the, the overpowering or the control and, um, we lose the kindness aspect of it. Um, and sometimes the biggest act of courage is being kind and vulnerable. Um, and I've experienced that in our own marriage is because I can tend, I'm, I'm a leader and I can tend to be, um, not submissive, <laughs> I tend to be not kind and sassy or controlling with my words. And, but, but, when I'm kind or when I'm vulnerable or humble, um, it number one makes a bigger impact on my husband, um, and speaks to him more. Number two, it teaches me more about the heart of God. And number three, it empowers me a little bit more. Um, and, and, and just reminds me of, of courage and bravery because it takes courage to put yourself in that spot. That's, I guess, lower, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what comes to mind when I think of courageous and kind. I, 
I love that picture. And it was funny. My husband and I were talking about this last night, actually. And in and you said it so beautifully as we were discussing women encouragement, women in empowering. And I I remember a couple years ago I had asked God. God, what is my Miss America platform? Like, what do I care about? You know, what really makes my heart beat and tick? And I went through this list with him, and I thought, you know, is it, like, animals? I'm like, oh, no. You know, is it the environment? Like, yeah, that's great. Um, You know, is it, you know, what is my cause? Like, what do I really care about? And we just, is it recycling? Like, we just went through a whole bunch of social issues. (laughs) And and finally, I I just felt the Holy Spirit impress on my heart, and it's women encouragement in the Lord. And and I was like, yes, that's it. Like, I mean, you could sum it up women's ministry or whatever, girl power, whatever you call it. And that's my Miss America platform. I care about women, and I want them to know the Lord and have freedom in the Lord. And so, as you mentioned, women empowerment and rising up to be brave and to be bold. And some of that recently has also ushered in to be brash and to miss that kindness. And so that's what we were talking about last night is women, how do we continue to be bold and and encouraging and continue to live in God's design for our life and that he has made us um, different, you know, and has given us talents. And you just said it so beautifully that as much as we hate the word submissive and, you know, for anybody listening and, and I'll raise my hand at first, I'd say, Oh, let's not even talk about (laughs) submitting, you know, why? And getting back to Ephesians and, and Ephesians five specifically, I just read this first at my brother's wedding last week, Ephesians five, 20 through 33. It talks about Submitting to the Lord out of reverence for the people in our lives and for our husbands and and you and that respect coming in and talking about kindness and that respect and you said it so beautifully in that and so I love especially with our our teenage girls and our college girls and even our women into our thirties forties fifties that we can be bold we can be brave as Esther as Esther did. And we can also be kind and respectful. And somehow in this movement to to rise up and to be bold and to be brave, that we have missed that kindness and that opportunity to be respectful and to be loving. And, and I, I love hearing that from somebody else, where that is where my heart does, is desiring the Lord to say, Lord, I can be bold, but show me how to be kind too. And in this project, these two words came that as women, we need to be both. And we say not only kind to other people, but kind to ourselves. And I'm sure you can attest too that there are so many times that I can be kind to other people, but the things that I tell myself, I mean, I would never say to anybody else. And I'm like, where did these thoughts come from? And to be able to have that relationship with the Lord and develop that kindness. And Esther is a perfect example, Queen Esther. And for anybody that's new to the Bible or new to the Word, 
Um, Queen Esther can be found in the book of Esther. It's a few short chapters and has a brilliant and beautiful story. And as Kristen said, it is worth reading over and over again because she is really the epitome of that courageous and kind woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a great story. So speaking of courage, what has been one of your most courageous moments? Um, <laughs> well, so I think one of the most courageous moments actually comes back to vulnerability and, um, trusting the Lord and getting rid of control. Um, because that was probably the hardest thing for me to do. Um, and it goes back to, um, my husband used to struggle with alcoholism and he's 27. So we dealt with this real young. (laughs) Um, we always joke about how I feel we've lived 15 years of marriage in the first five. Um, but so for the first three years of our marriage, he struggled with alcoholism. And that was, I mean, the first few years of our marriage, it was really hard. It was really dark times. Um, times that I cried out to the Lord and just said, what in the world? You told me to marry him. What is going on? Um, and he probably thought the same thing about me too, because it wasn't just one sided. I also had control and I was, um, bitter and, uh, just manipulative because I just didn't want to be hurt. So I was controlling. And so, um, I was, um, dominant and just not kind. Um, and so I just, you know, would be, I guess just the only word really to describe it is controlling. And so it was about, let me see, it was in 2017. It was in the fall of 2017. And after some wise counsel from some of my really good friends, um, and asking the Lord, like, I just started praying on my knees, bold warrior, prayers of God in the name of Jesus, by the blood um, of Jesus, just remove this from our family and remove this from him with whatever it takes. And it was the scariest place that I had to be because I finally decided, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't wear this burden anymore. I can't be controlling anymore. It is running him into the ground. It's running me into the ground. We're just both exhausted. And so it was finally to that point where I said, okay, God, I just, I can't, I give over control. And I told Justin that so I, I'm not, I'm done. Like whatever you want to do, like go for it. But I'm, I can't control anymore and I can't, I can't do that. And so I started praying and journaling, um, and saying, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes over and over and over again, just warfare prayer, um, praying against the enemy, praying against that bondage. And in my journal, Uh, probably two or three weeks to the day beforehand, I prayed, God, whatever it takes, even if it means losing his job, would you remove this from, from him? Would you break him free of this? And so, um, two or three weeks later to the day, he called me and said that he lost his job, um, due to alcoholism and that, and, and that night was, was probably the, the most rock bottom we've ever been at. Um, because this company was one that we helped start. Um, we thought we were going to retire there. Um, so it was, I mean, it was basically like ripping our whole identity almost and our income and our jobs. And, um, but from that moment on, uh, one, he never drank alcohol again. He's still sober to this day. Praise the Lord. Um, it's all a testament to God's goodness. And two, God 
um, totally started to free me of control um, and taught me a whole new lesson in trusting God and trusting him when things don't go the way I think they should and trusting him when I don't understand um, and in trusting him and knowing that I don't have control other, other over other people, but because I trust God, I can trust other people. And because I trust God, I don't have to um, be the judge of somebody else. I, like I just let that be in God's hands. And so it's, it, it was almost a sense of freedom for both of us. Like both these changes fell off of both of us that night that we thought that our life was just coming to an end. Um, and so I would say that maybe that was what that was probably the most courageous moment was initially just saying, God, I just give her control. Um, cause it was really scary. Um, but God has just done wonders since then. And I'm just so thankful with how everything has played out. I have two questions for you on that. So practically speaking for the woman that is listening that can say, Kristen, I can identify. I mean, there's a lot going on and the only thing I knew or know how to do is to try to control the situation. What does it mean you just said I'm done? And, you know, when I say I'm I'm done, I want to walk away. Like practically, what does that look like? when you say you gave up control to the Lord, if you would share that with, you know, the girls that are kind of wondering, like, that sounds great to you, but I'm in this situation. So what can I do? Yes, absolutely. And to those people wondering, I have been exactly in your shoes, like at the end of the road, just do not want to know what to do. And I mean, honestly, and this was the only other option um, was just giving over control. And so the, I would say, the way that I was able to do that is um, trust in the Lord. And I, I, know, I know that seems like so vague sometimes, but what I did practically was write down truth cards. So I would get index cards and I would just go through my Bible and just write down the character of the Lord. So write down verses about how he is the one who's the judge. He is the one who brings light to the darkness. He is the one who... Um, that we will bow to whenever, uh, we meet him and just writing down verses about how we're not in control and, and we are just dust and God is the one who's in control. So I would just write down those verses on index cards and I would even write, um, little pep talks (laughs) to myself based on scripture. So it would be, um, uh, it would just be, I cannot control Justin's drinking. God is still good. Um, in the midst of it, Uh, I can pray for Justin and pray for bondage breaking. And then also just realizing that it's your husband or whoever you're struggling with something like this is, is not the enemy, that there's an enemy behind all of it. And he wants to destroy this. And so um, when I started to, to realize that it was the actual enemy, Satan, that was when I shifted focus and started praying against him. And I saw Jeff, uh, Justin in a different light. I saw him as not the bad guy anymore, but someone who was in bondage. And so, um, I would say, so the first thing would be truth card. So write down things that you just need to remind yourself of. You need to speak it over yourself in the moments that you want to control. Um, I'm not saying that the day that I said I give up control was perfect from then on out because there are moments that weren't. Um, but having those truth cards, being able to pull those out when I was feeling insecure or angry or whatever I was feeling, 
um, and just read that, remind myself who is in control. God knows my best interest and Justin's best interest. And then the second thing would just be realize who the real enemy is. And um, that is not your spouse or your mom or dad or whoever you're going through this with. I love that. I just am all over it because we do sometimes as Christians, we talk about, yeah, as you said, like trust in the Lord. And that's, that is sometimes a fairly vague statement, but to be able to give practicality to doing that battle and especially as wives that we have a role and responsibility to be that helpmate, to be that influence in our men's lives and the power of prayer. And a lot of the times we say, oh, I'll just pray for you or all I can do is pray. Well, that's one of the best things we can do and the most powerful thing we can do and having the Holy Spirit and direct access to the throne of God to come before him and use that prayer and that scripture. It is so powerful. And, and in that, getting to see how God has honored your obedience in being a praying wife, a, a faithful wife, and, and giving up that control to what God was asking you to do. So what are some of those, um, some of the blessings of your, of your obedience that God has just done in your lives because of that, if, you, if you'd share that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, so the blessings ever since um, Justin stopped drinking and, um, and and alcoholism ran his family. It was a very big problem for him. Um, and so this is not a blanket statement against alcohol in general. Um, I just, you know, there are some people who just got to cut the hand off. Um, and so that's what Justin did. And so from that moment on, I just, I think I automatically felt a little bit more respect for him. I mean, if I'm just being honest, because I viewed him as a man who um, had character, or I guess whenever he was drinking, I would just like, um, you know, kind of thought he was not worthless, but just like, you know, he couldn't fulfill his husbandly duties, basically. He did not help with the kids. And so, when he became sober, he was a present dad. He was a present husband. And so automatically my respect for him just skyrocketed through the roof because he was giving me my love language, which is quality time. And it was quality. Um, and so I think that was one of the ways God really blessed our marriage was just the fact that like, I learned to respect him and he even, you know, earned respect, which it doesn't always work that way. You want to respect your spouse, even though you don't feel that they deserve respect because that's the gospel. Um, but it was, there were things that I looked at him and was like, wow, I respect you. Um, and so I think we just kind of fell in love a little bit over again. And we had experienced a new side of our marriage that we had never experienced before. And we learned to start running in our own lane. So I had learned, or God was teaching me to give up control. So then I was learning to be submissive and he was learning to be the godly leader. And so when we were both running in our, in our lanes and, and doing our correct roles, we just meshed together a lot better. And, he would do the things he was strong in. I would do the things I was strong in. And we would just fill in those gaps of each other's weaknesses. And so we just made a better team together. And so 
for the first time since we've been married, we uh, since we've been married, we were able to do ministry together. So we got to lead um, a marriage conference together at our local church, and we got to minister to other couples. And Justin has gotten to share his testimony at uh, different brotherhood retreats and different churches and impact other men who either struggle with that same addiction or struggle with another addiction um, because it's kind of the same across the board. It's just addiction in general. Mm-hmm. And so um, he's gotten to minister to so many other people, and I've gotten to minister to other women who are, on, who are in similar situations or just having a hard time in their marriage. And so um, God has really, so I get, okay, so backtracking. So God has given us a love for each other that was different than before, a love and respect. And uh, number two, God has given us opportunity to minister to other people that we had never had before um, in sharing our story um, and helping other people fight for their marriages. And even when they feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. This morning on the YouVersion app, I just started a new devotion called um, Kingdom Marriage by Tony Evans. Oh, I like him. I do too. And so this, I was just looking at, as you were saying, one of the things I read this morning was that um, he talked about, we must go back to the biblical understanding of marriage. God created it as a sacred covenant with this responsibility to reflect his image and advance the kingdom. Mm, that's good. And he talks about, you know, that our goal for marriage isn't happiness. It's to reflect God's image. And so, you know, I think about your obedience to him and God's faithfulness and that he has blessed that. And and in, in his goodness and the struggle and his healing and everything that you are able through your story to advance the kingdom. And ultimately, God's using everything for his good to shine his image to people that are there. And I think so many times that piece of of the of our enemy puts us in that isolation thinking that it's only just me or I'm the only one having this problem and and in reality a lot of us are because marriage is hard and life is hard. And to invite the Lord in to work and to heal and to forgive and to redeem what he get what the little bit we give him and what he gives us back is so much better than we could have ever imagined. Oh, that's so true. Yes, he he knows so much better than we do, and um, yeah, that's good. Will you talk just briefly about you talked about operating in your lanes? and running together, and what does that look like for y'all now, Um, and how would you encourage, you know, a wife to build up her husband and and to help get to that point where they can run towards the Lord together in their lanes and using their their talents and um, just their roles and responsibilities together? Yeah, I'd love to share. And I think that this is challenging, probably for all couples, but maybe for certain couples a little bit more so. I don't know, maybe. But uh, so I don't know if anyone does the Enneagram, but Justin is a three and I'm a seven, wing eight. So when I'm operating in the eight, we are both so bullheaded. And 
We both want to lead. We both have opinions on everything. Um, and so when, when we're unhealthy, that I mean, it is like constant battle. And so we, and we dated seven months, got engaged. We were engaged for, I think seven months. So the first year of marriage was really like, who are you? <laughs> Basically, we're just getting to know each other. But the first you know, a few years of marriage was when we weren't running in our lanes was, um, just a battle of the wills. And I wanted to do everything and he wanted to do everything. And if he did some chore in the house, like if he did the dishes or if he did the laundry, I took offense to that. Like, Oh, you don't think I'm doing a good job, which I know sounds so ridiculous, but it just, it was, we just were so opinionated about certain things and or about everything. And, um, and also I was very dominant with, um, decisions and leading. And so I would, and it would come across in the passive aggressiveness too. Um, and so like, Oh, you're going to make that decision like that. When I talk about this, I'm like, Ugh, I was that person, which not, the, <laughs> Not that I'm perfect now, but I feel like we've just both grown so much. And when I think back, I'm just like, ugh, gross. Um, but thank you for the notification. Um, but, and I think it was just a lot of things, like even things that I wasn't good at, I would not admit that because it was like we were both trying to prove ourselves to each other. Um, and I think that's a really good way to sum it up. We were both trying to prove ourselves to each other. So I didn't want him to see my weaknesses and he didn't want me to see his weaknesses. And so we both just strong armed it and we just did everything. And so we just didn't jive. We just had, I keep going back. We just had opinions about everything that didn't matter. Like, you know, and he would tell you this too. He was talking to you, but he had so many opinions on how to decorate the house or where things in the kitchen go. Whereas I didn't think he should have an opinion on that. And I had opinions about where his tools should go. You know, silly things like that, that honestly, in the grand scheme of things, don't matter. Um, and so from that, shifting from that, and um, also just kind of controlling like how each other spends each other's time and money. And I mean, when I talk about it, I feel like it's so ridiculous. But um, that's kind of where we were. And then now it's like, okay, well, Justin is better at finances, so he can do finances, and I don't have to stress about it, or we just took a West Coast road trip for our five-year anniversary, and he loves to plan, and I love spontaneity. I hate details. I hate planning, and so he planned. He booked all the Airbnbs. He, I mean, car rental, flights, everything. He did all the logistics, and he loved it, and I thought he was crazy for loving it, but he loved it, and I got to plan the fun things that we did. I got to plan the restaurants we ate at, or I got to help with that. And so, but then it came together and it just worked out really nicely. And we had this really great trip. And so I think that was, I think that was a physical, a tangible example of God being like, look where I brought you. And so I think now what it looks like to run in our lanes is I can lead in certain things that I'm good at. So being submissive for a wife does not mean that you can't lead in certain areas. There are certain things that I'm better at. So our food or cooking or grocery shopping, I totally lead in that area. He doesn't have any, I mean, he does not butt in. He says, Hey, I need this at the store. And that's really all he does. Like, and so I'm very thankful for that. So he lets me take charge in certain areas that I'm good at. And then I let him lead in things that he's good at. And so that way it just forms this beautiful, uh, 
relationship and flow together that empowers us both because the way that we were living before we each just squandered each other like we just squished each other there was no blossoming or blooming because we just like picked each other's petals off and just took all the wind out of each other's sails and so the way that we are let each other do what we're good at is empowering and just takes the stress off I think um so I don't know if that's tangible enough but I guess I think that so. would be <laughs> well and I think to work as a team and for um women listening and I'd love to hear your thoughts too a couple of my favorite resources in being a wife and being married and and um honoring our husbands and really walking into that um god-given purpose that we have is my three favorite things one is um there's a bible study by uh pastor matt chandler he's in texas and he um came up with a, he did a message series and then turned it into a Bible study called A Beautiful Design. And it's eight weeks. It goes through God's design for men and for women and then our design together. And so as we briefly talked earlier about submission and that keeps coming up. And I I mean, I know for many women, they're cringing as we're talking about this. But one of the things that came, the light bulb came on for me was God talking about women being a helpmate and not being... Um, when you need a helper, you're not lesser, that you're both created in God's image, imago Dei, and that we are both important and we have intrinsic value, just being male and female, and that he called Eve um, his helper, and that the word in the Bible for helper, the only other time that that particular word is found is used to describe the Holy Spirit as a helper. And the importance of that and you, the only time you need a help is help is when you can't do it by yourself. And so, just that beautiful picture of being a team and being a, co- a complete, unified, um, you know, family. And so that light bulb came on for me. So any of the wives, you know, or ladies listening, or or, or you're waiting on your man and you're just curious, um, I would say "Beautiful Design" by Matt Chandler was fantastic. And just really an aha, couple big moments. And then Sharon James had wrote a book, Praying for Your Husband. And it's 31 days. And it's what I love about it is it's scripturally based. So she gives you a scripture. And then she gives you a little prayer. And so similar to your truth cards, you go through and it's 31 days. I've actually done it um, week by week. And so I do one day each week and just make a point that in my quiet time on Tuesdays, my specific time is to pray for my husband. And she has um, points that go, you pray for head, from head to toe, and you pray for his heart and his head and his, I mean, just all, all aspects of his life. And so that has been really helpful. And then you had mentioned it too, wise counsel, that we have spent some time with um, Christian couples that are, are um, people we want to emulate, that have healthy relationships, that are living out God's love, and it's such a beautiful thing. And so those have been some of my favorite resources as a wife and stepping into this role and responsibility that we have as, as the helper and then the head, the headship of the marriage and, and getting to see that, you know, you and Justin, what do you have a couple things that you have just loved or that has really helped that you could share with our listeners? Sure. Um, and okay, this is actually not a marriage 
book, but it is something that completely, as a wife, I think it's geared towards women, shifted my viewpoint towards myself, the world, um, my marriage. Um, but it's Fervent by Priscilla Shire, and it is a book that talks about fervent prayer. And it basically is going back to what we were talking about, about who the real enemy is. And so in her book, she goes through, I think it's 10 different strategies, but it's, you know, your passion, how we lose our passion and how the enemy steals our passion, how to pray against the, the enemy and how to get our passion back. And, but then it talks about our family and, and marriage. And so I think the, the chapter about marriage and family drastically changed my perspective and, um, Learning how to be a wife and learning how to pray for my husband, like you're talking about praying for your husband, is so crucial um, because that's really the only power that we have um, because we can't control anything that they do. And so the the power that we have is praying for them. And so learning how to warfare pray for our husbands and our marriage is so important, and I think that was a shifting point for me too. Um, and also realizing like he's not the enemy. Like when we're in a fight or an argument or you know whatever, he's not the enemy. There's an enemy behind it all that is wanting to destroy it. And so fighting against the ultimate enemy. And then so when we went, so I guess that changed perspective for me as a wife. But then whenever we decided together that we would pray together against the enemy. Um, for our marriage, that also unified us a lot because just once again, realizing that we're not each other's enemy, that we are on the same team, that we are fighting for the same thing. We're running for the same goal. And so that drastically changed things a lot. Um, And then we just recently got the marriage journal by Audrey and Jeremy Roloff. And it is a great communication tool, um, between spouses. It talks about, um, like tension points and things that we could do better and what you're looking forward to. And it just goes through different questions and you can each talk through them and answer them. Um, and then also I can't remember the name of the books, but the, um, Alyssa and Jefferson Bethke, they have some really good marriage resources. Um, there's a one for the wife and one for the husband. I cannot remember what they're called. Um, but we have gone through some of that. Uh, we at least started it and that has been really good. And just bringing some intentionality towards each other and serving each other, loving each other, um, because it's easy to just get caught up in the routine and not really serve each other, love each other. So um, I think those resources have really helped us a lot, really shifted our perspective towards things um, or towards our marriage. And oh, last one, I would say last one is um, You and Me Forever by Francis Chan um, was also a really good resource for us as well. So yeah, those are some of the things that have really helped us out. Um, I'm so excited to be able to share this. And because there are, as we talk about, you know, God has done so much in our lives, but practically, what does that look like? And how do we carry that out? And I so appreciate that you've been honest and and real transparent and vulnerable about sharing your story because I know that you know the women watching this and listening that there are women sitting in that same situation and they just don't know what to do and and understanding that the Lord wants to heal our hearts our brokenness on an individual level on a on a couple level I mean that his 
goal for our lives is restoration. And that is why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, is that restoration and that redemption. And and he has that desire for us. And so I'm excited to hear that and and just and celebrate God's faithfulness. So thank you so much. And I'll we'll finish this up. We got a few more questions to go on and um, I'll ask you. When you think of a courageous and kind woman, what does she look like? Ooh, this is uh I was oh sorry. Um I was trying to think of think through this and I think it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with Esther is a woman who can get up up every single day and have that war face on just that game face of like we are going into a battle today today is a a spiritual war and we are not going to let the enemy win we are not going to let the lies into our head we're not going to let those lies just run crazy in our head but um with waking up every day with fearlessness and a bravery and courage that comes only from the Lord um, meeting with him, knowing that our strength comes from him and just having that courage to fight back the enemy, to fight back the lies, to not live in insecurity, to not live in um, a hunkered down state of, um, I guess, a pity party, but to realize that God has given us so many gifts and talents that we, um, that have been given by him that he wants us to use for his glory and to be brave and to use those for his glory and to not live in fear. Because I feel like sometimes as women, um, we can just get insecure or I don't know speaking for myself for sure. We can just get in- insecure and, um, just struck with fear. And we're just like, I'm just not going to do anything. And we're just kind of timid and we step back and, Um, so I I think a courageous and kind woman looks like someone who looks every day in the face and fights the enemy with boldness and fearlessness, telling him where he belongs Mm -hmm. and not letting those thoughts run our minds. Um, but then also to be kind would be to be gracious and to be loving and to be gentle with other people. Um, just like we mentioned earlier with Esther is that we can have that boldness, that boldness and fearlessness, and that almost like our war paint on um, going into our spiritual battle. But we can also be kind to each other and um, loving and gracious in the way that we speak, and that all stems from just getting to know our God. Because when we get to know Him, when we get to know His character, we can know that we can trust Him. And because we can trust Him, we don't have to fear anything. And because we can trust Him, we can be kind with the way that we respond. We don't have to have these comebacks. So we don't have to have these spicy comments or whatever we want to say. We trust God that he's going to take care of us. And so we can be courageous and fearless and we can be kind and God will take care of us. Amen. I mean, that is exactly what I want to first That is true on so many levels and we needed to hear that that God is faithful and he will take care of us and that we can be courageous in that promise. And I love it. So speaking of courageous and kind, um, if there was one thing, whether that was advice, wishes, skills, or talents that you could give any and every woman, what would that be? I think, I honestly think it would just be a warrior spirit. Um, it would just be 
the the ability to get up, fight back the laziness, because that's me a lot of times, like lazy, I do not want to spend time in the works, I have to sit down and you know, I just, it's just, I don't, I'm being lazy. I don't want to, I don't want to do, be diligent in that. So I think it just being a warrior spirit. So getting up and being disciplined, spending time with the Lord and then having a warrior spirit and battling for her family, for her, um, self, for her friends. Um, I would just give that to everyone because I talked to so many people and I used to be, and I am a lot of times this still, um, most days, um, you just hear such, um, you know, being held back or, um, just being trapped in lies and you just think how much freedom there would be and how much women would live up to what God has called them, like what God has created them to be. If we were just a warrior, like if we just had fearlessness because fear just silences us and paralyzes us. And so if there was anything that I could give, every woman in the world would be a warrior spirit that comes from the Lord, not a worldly warrior spirit, not a dominant warrior spirit, but a warrior spirit that comes from the Lord, uh, knowing that we're in a spiritual battle and fighting that with boldness. That's what I would give. I think for women too, one of the things that come to my mind when you say this is intentionality that we are to be intentional in that warrior spirit and lean into who God has made us to be and and be those emboldened women, as you said, not, not from that wor- worldly warrior mentality, but from God's mentality and, and God's grace and His design and how powerful we are um, when we lean into His Word in fighting for our families and fighting for our communities and being intentional with our time and being very kingdom minded. I, I, I really love that. So if there was, so our last question coming up on um, the final bit of our interview, what is your favorite Bible verse? You talked about your truth cards and I love that idea. We've called them, I've called them scripture cards, but I love the idea of truth cards and writing the truth that goes along with the scripture. And so what, um, what's one of your favorite Bible verses? Oh, this was hard too. (laughs) Um, and for me, I think they just change in different seasons. Um, because different seasons, I need different truth from God to cling on to. Um, but I think one that has just always stuck with me and just something that I love, something that stays on my refrigerator is second Timothy one, seven for God gave us it not uh, for God gave us a spirit, not a fear, but of power and love and self-control. And just going back to the fearlessness that God has instilled in us, um, because of his Holy spirit, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we can live in that fearlessness that he did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of love and power and self-control. And, um, that is just something that I cling on to and just, because my anxiety can take over a lot. And so I just speak that over myself so many times. Like God did not give me fear. He did not give me a spirit of fear. This is not from God. And so when we can realize that it's not from God, then we can quickly attack it with prayer against who we know it's coming from, which is the enemy. And for those women, I'm with you. That is one of my favorite verses for so many times in my life in different seasons. And we're not talking about not being scared or, or worried. 
I mean, we're not talking about carelessness, fearlessness. We're talking about being able to take these worries and these wonders to the Lord, to be able to say, Lord, you are in control. You are the one um, who knows all things, who sees all things, who has great plans. And I'm going to give that to you because you are um, you are the powerful one that, that can do this and it's out of my hands and, and to rely on his strength. So I, I love that reminder that he fear is not from the Lord by any means and, and just straight dead from the enemy. And love and, and, and peace and that freedom from the worry and that anxiety comes from the Lord and being able to give those thoughts and just call them out, right? I mean, to be able to say, hey, this, yeah. this is not of God. This is not a good thought. Here, Lord, take it. I give it to you. Change my thoughts and replace those lies and that fear with, with Bible verses and and people say and that I've talked to the women are like well I can't memorize scripture and someone said to me once if you can memorize a song or lyrics to a song then you can memorize scripture and even if you get part of it or a piece of it or you know whatever that looks like but just being able to say God did not give me a spirit of fear God did not give me a spirit of fear but of love and power and self-control that women, that's what we're talking about doing battle with his word. And Kristen has been that example in her family, uh, in her relationships, in her marriage, that she has just hung on tightly to God's truth and using his word to penetrate her heart and her mind and her lives and ultimately her family and generations to come. And so I thank you so much for that, Kristen, and what you and Justin are doing in your community and for your kids and to be able to live out and show God's love. And so one of our traditions on our Courageous and Kind interview is that we pray for our interviewees. So if you will, just give me a second and I'd love to pray for you and your family. Lord, I thank you so much for this time together, Lord. I thank you that as Kristen shares her story, we see your truth, Lord, and we see your healing, we see your forgiveness, we see your faithfulness, Lord, and we see your love. I thank you so much for taking our brokenness and turning it into your goodness. And we, we thank you that you are a God of redemption and healing, Lord, and restoration. And we just praise you and we thank you for Justin and Kristen and their marriage and their ministry and their family. And I ask that you would Continue to protect them, Lord, and, and continue to embolden them, to seek you first, to um, be able to share your story, Lord, and what you've done in their lives and, and, what you're, and how you're using them to advance the kingdom in other people's lives. And we thank you in advance for the marriages that you will heal through their story, for the restoration that you will bring. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we wrap up this interview, I would love to ask you if you loved it. I would love to hear your feedback, but the truth is, I know you did. And there was so much in this interview that I have just taken to heart as I listened to it over and over again and want to encourage you um, that God has some big stuff in your life and the piece about being faithful in the little and meeting God and having that discipline um, in the here and now, I want to encourage you as courageous and kind women to be there, to be present, to be here. 
as Kristen talks about that. And so thank you so much for joining us today. We cannot wait to see you again. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Courageous and Kind podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share or know someone who does, please visit courageousandkind.org. Be sure to check out the Courageous and Kind stories tab. Take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Courageous and Kind Project. Thank you.